Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuck right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, where may the Braves look in free agency? What if I told you the Hawks are actually playing some defense? And some more just looking back at Dan Quinn and the draft of the Atlanta Falcons and why Arthur's doing even a better job than we may realize. All next, Hitting Hard with John Chuck right Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by Bet Online. We ask you to head to youtube.com, put Locked On Sports Landing into your search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button, leave us a comment. Don't forget, we are free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Odyssey. Check us out today and leave us a five-star review. Roku and Amazon Fire. Yes, you can find us on all of those platforms as well. Check us out there. And, of course, give me a follow on my Twitter page at JMCH316. Well, obviously, we get ready for a hot stove, hot stove, hot stove talk that is coming up. We obviously got word yesterday that Dansby Swanson declined his qualifying offer of $19.6 million. No surprise, right? He's not looking for a one-year deal. I did think it was interesting that Jock Peterson did accept his one-year deal with the Giants, $19.25 million, somewhere over, just over $19 million that he accepted with the San Francisco Giants to come back for one more year with them. So where do the Braves go in free agency, right? We've talked about the fact that they've said that, hey, we're, we're a top 10 payroll. We're willing to be a top five payroll. Okay, you know, they've got some holes here and there that they've got to fill. So let's talk about, obviously, shortstop first. So look at the names of some of the shortstops that are out there, okay? If we, if we say that it's not Dansby Swanson, okay, do you think they're going to dip their toe in the Xander Bogarts, Trey Turner pool? I don't think either one of those is realistic. And, and simply because if you're going to step your toe into that pool, then why don't you just take, why don't you just bring Dansby Swanson back? So I still think that the most likely thing to happen is that Dansby Swanson returns. Now, look at some of these other names. Elvis Andrus, Jose Iglesias, Alcides Escobar, Andrelton Simmons, D. Gordon, D.D. Gregorius. Can I tell you, that's a who's who of if this were 10 years ago, those might be options, but ain't none of those options now. Now, no people have talked about so Ron Washington commented about Vaughn Grissom, and he thinks he can develop him into an everyday defensive shortstop. And I do think that that is their plan. When you look at, there's nobody down in the minors that is ready to come up and start there. There's really, after you get through the top guys in the marketplace, right? I mean, if it's Dansby, Bogarts, Trey Turner, Correa, if you get through those guys, it's a bunch of vagabonds, and that's being charitable to the group of guys left. So if I'm going to play either a vagabond or do I get Grissom ready to play shortstop? Not left field, by the way, because that's going out the window, as I told you. But anyway, we don't we won't have to get into all that right now. But Ron Washington did say he is going to work with Vaughn Grissom, and they're going to try to start making him an everyday shortstop. So I do think that if they don't sign Dansby back, which I still think, is plan number one, is that Dansby will be back with the Braves. If not, I do think Grissom is the backup plan. I think when you look at the free agency pool, I don't think they're dipping their toe in the water of those other guys. Again, 
Trey Turner is going to cost more than what Dansby Swanson would cost. And if you're going to dip your toe into Bogarts and uh, Correa, who's going to have huge, you know, marketplace competition, then just sign Dansby. Then just give Dansby more money to stay here if you're going to dip your toe in that water. So I think that's where they go with shortstop. Starting pitching. I know Alex Anthopoulos talked about, you know, Soroka or Anderson or this or that or whatever like that. Okay. I mean, I get that they're going to look at, you know, some of the guys that they already have on their roster. A couple of names to watch out for in the starting pitching room that I think are interesting. Okay. Because they're not going to get in the Carlos Rodon sweepstakes. We saw Kershaw's coming back. They're not going to dip their toe, I don't think, in the Jacob deGrom uh, pool either. A couple of names to think about. Nathan Ovaldi, who, you know, Nathan Ovaldi is a guy who, eh, okay, he can eat up some innings and stuff like that. I'll give you a couple of names that I like, though. I like Chris Bassett. I, I, I like what he did last year. He's a guy who keeps the ball in the ballpark, actually had a pretty good year. And, and by the way, there's a few of these guys that are former Mets uh, players. So I like Chris Bassett and what he brings. I think Taiwan Walker's a guy who had a nice year for the Mets as well. He's a guy that can eat up some innings, actually had a pretty good year last year. Again, middle-of-the-road rotation guy. You're not looking for a number one starter, right? That's what you got the best left-hander in baseball. Kyle Wright, the, the winningest pitcher last year in baseball. You're bringing Morton back. Spencer Strider's coming back. So you're not dipping your toe into high-dollar free agents, okay? You're not dipping your toe into – I know a lot of people love to see DeGrom and Verlander. Just don't think that that's where they're going to dip. So Taiwan Walker is a name to watch out for. I think Chris Bassett's another name uh, to watch out for, as I said. Um, after that, most of the guys you're talking about, like, do you want to dip your toe into the Zach Greinke, Michael Walker, Noah Syndergaard, Mike Miner pool? No, thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm good with all of those. So I wouldn't be surprised if they don't grab themselves a middle-of-the-road starting pitcher that doesn't eat up a whole lot of money and just kind of a one-year deal. Now, the outfield, that's the next spot that they have to think about. And by the way, I wouldn't be opposed, as I said a couple weeks ago, to bringing back Kenley Jansen, but I think Iglesias is going to be the closer. And if that's the case, then I know they signed a relief pitcher here recently. I think they're going to let Iglesias close, and then you're going to have you know one or two guys that they're going to add to their bullpen. As far as the outfielders go, right? I mean, you've got holes in, in your outfield right now. So, look, as far as left fielders go, I really like the idea. And some of these names are people that we talked about at the trade deadline. Can I tell you that I would really like Andrew Benintendi on this team? And especially, let's be honest, if Dansby doesn't sign or if you want to bring Dansby down into a more run-producing spot, if you told me I had Andrew Jones or if I had Ronald Acuna and I had Andrew Benintendi, Hitting at the top of my order, I got two high on base guys that can get around the bases. And look, Ben Intendi's a guy that's much more of a high on base guy than what Dansby Swanson is hitting in that two hole. If you told me I could have those two guys at the top of the order, I'd love that. I'd be thrilled to have those two guys in there. Now, a couple of the names to, to look at as well that I think are, are interesting. Brandon Nimmo's a guy, another Met that had a really nice year last year, led the league in triples last year. He's got some power. He gets on base. He can hit a little bit of home runs, but he also gets you a lot of extra bases. I do like him. And if you're thinking about a guy who could be a cheap option that, again, capture lightning in a bottle, and we talked about this name at the deadline 
for the uh, for the uh, uh, Braves would be Mitch Haniger, who did not get a qualifying offer from the Mariners. Problem with Haniger is can he stay healthy? Is he a guy because when he's healthy, he actually rakes pretty well. 2021 had a career year, 39 homers, 100 RBI, but was down like 57 games this year. And you know, look, he's had some weird injuries, right? He's the guy who ruptured one of his testicles when he got hit during the pandemic year of 2020. He also got hit in the eye by Jacob deGrom in 2017. That's why he's missed some time over the last couple of years. Last year was an ankle injury that really bothered him that he only played like 60 games last year. But when he plays, he's effective. I don't think they're going to bring Duvall back. I think we're kind of past that, that point out there. So I think there are some decent options in left field. I think there are some decent options as far as middle-tier starting pitcher, and I think it's Dansby or Bust at shortstop, or it's going to be Vaughn Grissom. So that's the three main holes to watch out for. So we're just about at the, you know, hot stove part of the year, getting into winter meetings and all that kind of stuff. Expect the Braves are going to get active here pretty quick. All right, I want to talk about my friends over at Bet Online. Listen, Bet Online is your number one source for all of your sports wagering information, right? Today is Wednesday. We got NFL coming up. We got college football coming up, right? We're just ready to close out the college football season. We'll be in bowl season before you know it. And it's going to be fast and furious games all the time. You want to get in on the action? Head to Bet Online. Put betonline.net today into your mobile. And basically, just look, it's very simple. Take your mobile device, right? Take the phone, put betonline.net in there. Check out all the information that they have to also make you a smarter sports better. You want podcast news, stats, scores. News and notes, all kinds of information available at betonline.net. So head to betonline.net today. Get in on the action. NBA, Major League Baseball, uh, NFL, college football, college basketball is up started right now, right? NHL hockey. You got a million things right now in your wheelhouse that if you want to get involved in, betonline.net is your number one source for all of it. So take the mobile device, head to betonline.net today. Check out all of the action. Betonline.net is where the action starts. So what if I told you that the Hawks are actually playing some defense? Well, they added DeJounte Murray. Of course, they're playing some defense. It's more than that. Let me give you some numbers. And I know it's early and all this kind of stuff. I, I, I get all that, right? I, I understand that it's early, right? Right now, the Hawks, last year, the Hawks were 24th in the NBA in field goal percentage allowed. Hawks are currently seventh in the NBA in field goal percentage allowed. Last year, and this was a dreadful number, the Hawks were 28th in the NBA in three-point percentage allowed. They were a dreadful three-point percentage guarding team. They're second in the NBA right now. Last year, 25th in the NBA in points allowed. Obviously, they gave up a whole crap ton. This year, it's not awesome, but they're 16th in the NBA. And a couple of things to look at. When you look at defensive ratings, okay, in the NBA, Clint Capella is currently seventh in the NBA. So he's not only seventh in the NBA in defensive rating, he has the most rebounds of any player in the NBA, and he has the second highest rebounds per game number in the league right now. No real shock that DeJounte Murray comes in at 15th in NBA defensive rating. Any idea who's 18th in the league? How about John Collins? 
How about these two numbers for John Collins? John Collins is currently 15th in the NBA in defensive win shares. Basically, that's a, that's a metric where you look at points per 100 possessions and things like that, where you're able to credit a guy how much he stops a guy from scoring. He's 15th in the NBA in defensive win shares, and he's 18th overall in defensive rating. Now, look, I'm not telling you John Collins is going to be first team all NBA defense and this, any other. But obviously, this has been a very defensive challenge team over the last few years. And the fact that they're 24th up to 7th, 28th up to 2nd, those are huge steps. That's more than just DeJounte Murray out there. That's more than just how good Capella is at rebounding the basketball. They're getting, look, Okongwu's a good defensive player. He's got a really good defensive rating right now. But I'm impressed by the fact that John Collins ranks where he does. When you think about in the entire NBA, 15th in defensive win shares, 18th in defensive rating. That's a hell of a climb. And what have we talked about? Listen, rather than standing out and shooting threes and doing this, any other, score down low, rebound the basketball, play me some low post defense, right? He'll get plenty of opportunity. Because if you look, again, Trey Young and Murray are two of the best, you know, facilitators in the league. They're two of the best, you know, assist per game guys in the NBA. So let's give the Hawks a little bit of credit here where they've had a definite jump forward in their defensive rating. Now, look, I will tell you, I think that is led by Murray, right? I do think that he's the leader of that and creating that mindset. But for a team that we have just wished and hoped and prayed, and I'm not worried about Trey Young. You don't have Trey Young on the court to be a top-tier defensive back. Just be adequate. Just be enough of a guy to just hold your own water. Because they have enough other pieces with Capella Nakangu with what John Collins is doing this year, with DeAndre Hunter, with what DeJounte Murray is. They have guys who can play some defense. And if they can get this part of their game on track, and we've talked about a couple things here. We talked about the schedule is opening up for the Atlanta Hawks. They're only going to play two teams above 500 over the next team, next 19 games to the end of the calendar year when we get to Wednesday of next week, right? They have a chance to pick up a whole bunch of games. Well, they're not just a fun team to watch offensively and the way they can get around and some of the things they're doing there, but defensively, they're playing better. Now, maybe part of that is just the teams that they're playing. They've played the Rockets and Orlando and Detroit and some teams like that, but they do have three games against the Bucks. They do have a couple of games against the 76ers. I know Joel Embiid has just gone off. I think Joel Embiid, I think, I think the stat I saw is, Embiid had more points in one game the other night than Ben Simmons has had for the entire year. That's how scary that, that process is. But anyway, the Hawks playing some good defense right now is going to be so critical. And again, how are we getting back? We talk all the time about which direction is that pendulum swinging? How are we going to find ourselves back into the top part of the Eastern Conference? How are we going to find ourselves making a deep run in the playoffs? You got to play good defense. You know, you look at the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, they've got Middleton, who's an Olympian. They've got the best player in the NBA in Giannis. They have Drew Holiday. But what are they really good at? Well, they're an awesome defensive team. Holiday's as good a defensive guard as theirs. He's a first-team All-NBA defensive player. Giannis, he's only, what, two-time defensive player of the year? 
He's only the best two-way player in all of the NBA, probably the best player overall, but certainly the best two-way player in the NBA. And Middleton's a really good player, obviously, as well. They build their bread, you know, because they've got Coach Budenholzer, and they're going to build around their defense. The Hawks can stay at this kind of level where they can be a top 10 defense right now in the NBA. Whew. I mean, think about how much easier your life becomes. And think about what we've been begging for, right? We, we know Hunter was drafted to be a defensive stopper. He was the best defensive on-ball defender in college basketball, right? The best defensive player coming out, best defensive player in the country when he was, when he was in college. We know Capella, he's a dominant rebounder, but he can do enough inside. That's why I didn't really want to go out and spend twice as much money for the Rudy Gobert's and stuff like that. Capella can handle his own. You know, I don't need to spend $40 million on a center when Capella can offensively and defensively not be that big of a step back. Capella may not be elite defensively, but look, again, he's a dominant rebounder. Not good. He's a dominant rebounder. He has more rebounds than anybody in the NBA right now. And he can hold his own defensively. He's seventh in the NBA in defensive rating right now. So you don't need to spend $42 million on a center. I get how good Gobert is, and he's a defensive player of the year. But when I'm looking about what I need to upgrade on, Capello is fine. The one guy, like I said, that's really surprising is what John Collins has done this year for this team. It's been amazing that he's actually upped his game. Maybe that's because of Murray. Maybe that's because everybody around him has upped their game. Maybe because they're just getting after. I don't know what it is. But the idea of going from 24th to 7th in field goal percentage, from 28th to 2nd in three-point percentage, and better as far as overall scoring, 25th to 16th, let's give the Hawks a little bit of credit. We've been waiting for this to happen. We've been waiting to see this. Now we're getting some, you know, some fruition out of their defensive effort. All right, don't forget, we uh, want you to make – Locked on Sports uh, Atlanta, your first listen every day and hitting hard. But don't forget, Locked on Sports today should be your second listen. Check out the biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, the take of the day. Locked on Sports today, it's available on YouTube. It's available on Odyssey, all your favorite podcast platforms. Check those guys out there today. All right. You know, I was looking back again because I am amazed in a lot of ways that the Falcons are hanging in there, considering what their roster looks like, considering all the dead money that they have, and considering where all of this is right now. So I was going back again, as I love to do, and kind of looking back at the Dan Quinn, which, by the way, isn't that long ago, right? Dan was here in 2020, drafting and picking play. And you can say, well, Thomas, okay, we were sold on the idea that Dan had as much input in this roster as anybody. So can't, can't, change what we were told now can't go with revisionist history we were told how much of an influence dan has on this roster because everybody questioned about whether or not thomas dimitrov should have been here after they fired mike smith that was the number one thing brought up at that press conference go way back in time to when mike smith was fired and then that monday or tuesday whatever it was at the arthur blank center down in buckhead off west paces ferry they had that press conference with thomas and arthur blank and saying okay why is Thomas still here? Why is Mike Smith the fall guy? And then they brought in Dan. Oh, he's he's got a big part of the, the roster and all that kind of stuff. So Dan was here for six years. In that six years, they had seven first-round picks. Only three are currently on the roster. 
They had four picks in the second round. Only one guy is still here. They had five picks in the third round. One guy is still here. So let's break that down. The third round picks, the five guys that they drafted, the only guy here is Matt Hennessy, who, let's be honest, is probably hanging on by a thread right now, right? Lost his starting job at center. He's had to fill in a guard last week and all that. Now he's hurt, okay? Four second round picks. One guy's left. You know who that is? Isaiah Oliver, who is on a one-year, $1.25 million contract. He's hanging on by a thread. And certainly he has not lived up to being a second round pick for what they expect to do. The three first rounders that are still here, A.J. Terrell, he's in good stead. Chris Lindstrom, he's in good stead. Caleb McGarry, is he going to be back? He said, listen, I take back all the good things I said about McGarry last week after that performance against Carolina Panthers. But a definite chance that he's not back. So you look at the 32 picks made under the Dan Quinn regime. 32 picks. There are four guys that are still here. You've got four guys that are that take away the 2020 because that's two years ago. You expect some guys to be here, okay? Out of the 32 picks that he made in his first five years, there's only four guys left. Grady, Oliver, you know, I mean, there are just so few guys that are left from that regime. Part of that's by, you know, attrition, right? Guys come and go. But again, we're not talking about 20 years ago. I'm not going back into when Jerry Glanville was the coach and Ken Harrock was drafting. We're talking about over the last two, three, four years that you see so few guys that are left. And you talk about why you get in the state that you are, it's this. Now, let's look at the two draft classes that this regime has made, okay? You feel like London and Pitts are obviously good picks. Now, we can have a, we'll look back at the end of the year because I do want to, at some point, get into a discussion about Kyle Pitts. And, you know, again, unicorns and all this, that, and the other. Okay. Um, we'll have that discussion probably in the offseason. But Pitts, London, Grant, Ebicady, Troy Anderson. That's the five guys they've drafted in the first and second round. All of those guys at least look like they can be part of the solution here. Now, anything can happen, right? But at least those guys, London, Pitts, Ebicady, Troy Anderson, all of those guys at least look like they are part of the solution, okay? Look at what they've done in the third round. Jalen Mayfield, Desmond Ritter, D'Angelo Malone. Now we get into, okay, Mayfield ain't going to be around here much longer. D'Angelo Malone, okay, he's had a sack, but he's not gotten on the field a whole lot. And obviously, Desmond Ritter is the big wild card in all of this, right? I mean, we have no idea if and when we're going to see him or this, that, and the other. I like the Tyler Algier pick. That's been one of the underrated picks. But Darren Hall, Drew Dahlman, eh, those are fourth-round picks. Their fifth-round picks have actually been pretty good. Tyler Algier, Taquan Graham, Ogundeji, Avery Williams. And that's where if you can find guys like that that can stick around on your roster, you don't have to just go out there and sign every top flight free agent. You have guys who can take one. Graham's taking a big jump this year. Avery Williams solves our special teams return problem, right? You know, uh, Tyler Algier has been a pleasant surprise at running back. 
He may end up with the second most yards as a rookie running back for this franchise. So there are some definite good things that are happening. And again, we can talk about all this free agent money and all this kind of stuff, but free agent, you always overpay. You build your team quality through the draft. I know everybody's going to bring up the Rams. The Rams were in the Super Bowl in 2019. Okay. Once they were a Super Bowl team, let me make sure we get that correct. They were a Super Bowl team based built off their draft. Then they said, let's go upgrade and trade away draft picks and all that kind of stuff because they wanted to win the Super Bowl, and that's what they did. But when they had Goff and Gurley and Donald and Cup and all, that team was built through the draft. Sorry. Yeah, they met up their, their most recent their Super Bowl team last year might have been through, but the team that two seasons before was in the Super Bowl was built through the draft. Then they took their guys that they had and their picks and all that and, and changed. But you got to build through the draft. And hopefully this regime, it looks like that there are pieces that we're seeing in all the different rounds that can be part of the solution for the Atlanta Falcons. Time will tell. And I still think that there are questions about why we've taken pass catcher over the last two years and understand, look, they didn't think this was their plan at quarterback. They thought Watson or one more year with Matt Ryan would be the solution at quarterback. And then we would figure it out from there. So sometimes, unfortunately, you know, as, as Vince McMahon would say, plans change, pal. And they've had to adapt a little bit. But there are definitely some pieces that look more like their long-term solutions than just about most everything we saw in the last regime. All right, we thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen every day. Don't forget, Locked On Sports Today. Make that your second listen. Biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, the take of the day. They are available on YouTube, Odyssey, all of your favorite pod, pod, podcast platforms. Excuse me. Download them for free today. Don't forget, head to YouTube.com. Put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. Help us get to 5,000 subscribers. We are a cat whisker away from 5,000 subscribers. Be a part of our ever-growing community. Leave us a comment about what we talk about. Free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Check us out on all of your favorite platforms. And, of course, Roku, Amazon Fire. Now we're available on those. Check us out there. Give me a follow at JMCH316 on Twitter. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. 